0: Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Freedom Flipping Podcast, where we're all about building up and selling online assets to achieve financial freedom. This is episode 12, and on today's show, I've got a great guest, Doug Cunnington from NicheSiteProject.com. Doug has recently sold a site for over 200,000, and it's an interesting case study where he converted it from a previous grey hat site that used PBN links into a white hat site using his expertise in, in guest posting. We talk about how Doug is able to rank new sites without any backlinks using something called the golden keyword ratio, uh, the difference between using big pages versus smaller pages and uh, Doug's project management background and how we're able to leverage that kind of uh, practice in building these sites and scaling up our teams. So the URL for this episode is richardpater.com forward slash niche site project and I'll catch you at the end. Cheers. Hey, how's it going, Doug?
1: Hey, doing really well today. Thanks, Richard, for having me on. It is, you know, an honor to be on your podcast. Well,
0: thanks very much. Whereabouts in the world are you calling in from?
1: I'm in Bozeman, Montana. So it's like one of the Rocky Mountain states up near Canada. It's nice here. It's in the mountains.
0: Very nice. You ski and snowboard in the winter?
1: You know, I I don't. I moved from the uh, sort of the deep south in Atlanta. So we, uh, (laughs) you know, we didn't grow up with snow. So it's kind of a dangerous hobby to pick up at my age. <laughs> I'm sure uh, well, you, you certainly look young.
0: I, I, I'm not going to not gonna ask, but I'm sure you could pick it up if you wanted to. So, oh, yeah, you're, well, you're, yeah, and,
1: and I'll say I'm only 38 and I feel ah. like I'm 20. But I know that, <laughs> you know, uh, one spill down a, a slope can uh, set you back a couple of years. Are
0: you based uh, in Montana most of the year then?
1: Yeah, that's right. We, um, my wife and I sort of did some slow travel and sort of found ourselves in a spot where we sort of wanted to move from the South and check out some other part of the country. So we traveled through, you know, Denver, which we enjoyed quite a bit. Mm -hmm. Uh, Again, another mountain state, went to Texas and Austin, which is a great scene. Awesome barbecue. (laughs) Really enjoyed the time in, in Austin and Texas. But eventually, you know, when we visited up here, the smaller town uh, in Bozeman, less traffic, really enjoyed it. So, yeah, we're this is the home base right now. So how have you been able to to do the slow travel
0: thing? You've been working online for quite some time.
1: Well, initially, I sort of accidentally found my four hour work week. So I worked in management consulting for about 10 years and and got into project management in that role. So it was project management for software companies and the management consulting world. There's a lot of, you know, there's travel just in general, but I found myself on projects where the culture of the companies, the clients essentially allowed us to work from home quite a bit. Now it started really, really slowly where you know, you work maybe one or two days from home per week, but then it grew into You know four days a week most of the time and then when I would try to go to the office You know, very few people would be there. So it was useless for me to to do that um, And go in so just started to work from home basically full-time Of course you realize That you can do that from anywhere. Uh, my wife had a similar type role so her company so she was able to do slow travel also so that said uh, after a couple years of working from home a lot we thought hey why don't we just rent a house in Austin and spend a month there so we could really enjoy like what Austin has to offer you could eat a lot more barbecue in 30 days than in five days so (laughs) that's what we started doing Um, and we would take a few of these trips per year and it was awesome. We were able to visit family and really just sort of like detach from like the normal stuff and get into a different scene, which was really cool.
0: Nice. And then, how have you made that transition out of uh, traditional consultancy into earning a, a living through what you're doing now with
1: niche niche sites? Sure. Um, really, it was it was a big accident because um, I didn't know anything about earning. Money online. In fact, I found uh, the Smart Passive Income podcast, which seems to be the gateway. Yeah, I, I came to that people. pretty
0: early. That was one of my one of my first.
1: Cool. Yeah, <laughs> and it, you know, one of the I, and I didn't, I wasn't even looking for any sort of business or entrepreneurship uh, ideas. I, I have like an engineering degree, and I worked in a corporate job, and you know, I was like trying to get promoted and all the stuff you're supposed to do, and then accidentally. Was you know just looking through the podcast app, and I was like, oh, this sounds interesting. Good reviews, let's go for it. And then you know by the end of the month, I, I like bought a domain <laughs> and I was trying to start one of these AdSense sites uh, back in 2013. This was mm-hmm. about a few years ago. Yeah, and you know from there, I just kept kept trying, kept failing over and over again, trying and failing. Over the course of about four or five months, and then eventually sort of hit hit my stride, found something that worked. And you know, I'll I'll fast forward, I'll skip some steps here, and just say, after a couple years in 2015, I got laid off from my company. This was actually right after we moved um, to Montana, and I got laid off. But luckily, I was, you know, like I said, I hit my stride. I sort of figured out that I could make money. On my own, and it was way more enjoyable than working for someone else.
0: Very cool. So, at the time, how much were you were you making when you got laid off? Kind of uh, a, a few hundred, or you were able to achieve a few thousand from from what you were doing?
1: It was probably in the like in the thousand ish range per month, and you know I will mention. Like most good internet marketers, I have my stories where you know I was making you know hundreds of dollars a day passively, and then I got penalized or my sites (laughs) got penalized, and then my revenue went to zero and my traffic went down to ten percent of what it was. So I have a few stories like that, but you know, at that point where you've you've found success, you failed and you lost it all. Like you know, you can do it again. So. I knew that it was just a matter of focus, finding the area that I wanted to really put my time into.
0: And up to then, it was just uh, AdSense, or you'd moved into affiliate stuff or Amazon.
1: Affiliate stuff. So yeah my my primary revenue in, in the thing that I know is around Amazon Associates. So I, I don't even mess with AdSense sites. I know they can be, you know, profitable and a a great route for a business but I just know the Amazon side really well so I, I stick with what I know and keep refining my like knowledge base there versus trying to learn a bunch of new stuff
0: and what, what point did you create the uh your niche site project.com uh site is that uh, so I started
1: uh, yeah. that early um in 20 or it was it was early in my career but it was uh 2013 so it was the very end of 2013, when I realized that, hey, like I like this stuff, writing about it would be a good thing. And I will mention that, you know, as, as soon as I started the site, I was looking for like a revenue stream from it. So I didn't start the site as as a hobby. Right. I didn't start it <laughs> to like build an audience and figure it out later. Like I was going to write a book, ebook info product. And you know, sell it, and it was going to be, you know, basically Amazon Associates and applying project management to it. And that's, you know, I didn't mention it a ton, but I'm a uh, PMP, which is a project management professional, and that's a fairly, you know, well-known certification. It's not really easy to get. You have to have, you know, thousands of hours of experience. You have to take like a $500 test, and it's. It's important if you're working in certain industries, but that knowledge base isn't commonly like known. So for me to be able to apply it to something that's fairly disorganized, if you go and read a bunch of blog posts or listen to podcasts to try and figure out how to do something, it's usually not like an actionable set of steps. It's, it's rare, it happens, but it's usually kind of disorganized. So yeah. with my project management background, I wanted to marry that together. And that's why I launched the site niche site project.
0: And do you still have that ebook or have you transitioned that into a, into a course or something? Are you still selling through that site? Yep.
1: Yeah. So it, uh, the ebook is no longer around. It's in its like fifth iteration and it's really um, a course that I have now. It's called five figure niche site. That's the one I'm on. Yep. Yep. So it's, it's all like it's, it's grown and obviously there's a lot of stuff that, doesn't work anymore that worked in 2013 so it's constantly or just over the years has been updated and then you know i constantly update the course at this point so
0: Ah, very cool so yeah you've had a very interesting blog series i've been following um called project go white hat and i've got a a bunch of questions i want to ask you about this um but first i mean how do you get to the point of um you know, scaling up and and selling much bigger niche sites. Is there some journey from that from that ebook and uh, to getting to that point? Because you're now selling assets over two hundred thousand, three hundred thousand. Um, so yeah, interested in that kind of that that middle stage.
1: Sure. Well, I think as I mentioned before, the trying and failing and adjusting. I think that is like the main key aspect of like what I've done. And when I talk to you know other successful entrepreneurs, whatever field they may be in, and I think you probably see this too, Richard. It's it's like they keep trying, they adjust. they would never hit a home run the first time. It's usually a very slow process and it's you know three, four, five years in when something impressive is done. And So if I had to say like that, that middle period is really just, you know, trying to figure out what works, adjusting and like not quitting because most people would quit after some of the uh, pitfalls that I, you know, really just I I lost all the income, right? Like over and over again. So a lot of people (laughs) would just quit and say, you know what, I can get a six figure job at some consulting company and it's fine. I know how to do that. I have the connections, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, I saw this as a route where not not only that it is more satisfying and more enjoyable, but you know you can you can actually make more money working for yourself than working for someone else. And it's really only when you're on the other side that you could see that uh, possibility. And yeah, yeah, so I, I won't ramble on. no,
0: no, no, that makes total sense. And over this time, were you, working on just one site or a couple of sites or were you building up a portfolio and and, and trying a bunch of different niches? And um, I take it was all Amazon Associates. Like how many, uh, before you got into this kind of Project Go White Hat series and what you, you're currently doing, um, did you build up a bunch of different sites that you were working on at once?
1: Sure. Uh, I I was trying to build up probably in the neighborhood of like three to five sites or so some of them with partners some of them on my own and and really it was only when i stopped working on so many things that i was able to do anything interesting so i would end up splitting my time on like a small services business right so i actually had a small uh, business of guest posting like you know, just a service where people could come to me, get mm-hmm. guest posts, and, you know, I would run that. Now, it's interesting to note that, you know, one, I didn't particularly enjoy the work after a while. <laughs> and then the other part is I, it was useful because I, I was able to develop the skills that I was later able to use for the project Go White Hat. So, yeah. um, you know, to answer your question, about three to five sites and I started to just ignore certain ones. So I was only working on like two at a time. And, you know, I find with whatever it is that I'm working on, the less things that I have my, you know, hands into, the better everything goes. And I, I feel less stressed out too, which is a high um that's, that's a high priority for me. It's really important to not feel stressed out because <laughs> I can get yep. a job and feel stressed out.
0: So I agree. I agree. I, I optimize uh, for stress <laughs> now, uh, used to be, right. you know, trying to get location independent, um, trying to, you know, be able to have a, a nice financial, uh, amount, you know, base amount, uh, per month. But I, I think now it is, I am optimizing to minimize stress. <laughs> I think exactly. that, that's the one thing that, that I'm focused on. I can totally relate to that. Uh, yep. yeah. And, and it's, it's, I mean, I've done the, the service thing, uh, which is, yeah, I've never enjoyed it myself and, and uh, I don't particularly want to go back into that world. Uh, but it's a great way of, you know, getting instant cash and, uh, you know, limiting the, the stress uh, that you will experience by building your own sites and, and having things go wrong with them. Um, so I think it's a great strategy, you know, having a surface thing on the side, building up a bunch of different sites, seeing which ones do well and then and focusing on the, on the ones that do. Uh, I, I, I think that's probably, you know, that would be my, my advice <laughs> to my, my younger self um, to, to get into that a lot earlier and uh, stop trying to hit a home run uh, you know, super, super quickly. So yep. before Project Go White Hat, had you sold any of your sites or, or sites that you built up in partnership with people before?
1: Just one. So I had, I guess it was in 2014, I sold a site that was making about 500 bucks a month. So I sold it for, at the time, uh, 20K. So is yep. that, is that right? No, sorry, uh, 10K. T- t- yeah, 10K. Yeah, yeah. yeah 10K. Yep. And because um, it, tw- it was a 20X multiple yeah, exactly. in those Modibles years. Yeah,
0: exactly. Multiples have, have really shut up recently. Even in the last six months, I've really noticed it. They've kind of gone yeah. from 25, 26 to 30, 30, and, and kind of plus. Um, right. Right there's been a big, big rise as I think, you know, talking to other people in this podcast, there just seems to be a lot more different types of money coming in and, and, you know, much bigger buyer pool. Um, it's really shot up, but yeah, it used to be 20 X was, was, uh, kind of the average. Um, right. Interesting. Okay. That was through like an empire flippers or, uh, yep. Yeah, empire yeah, Flips. And so yeah, project go white hat. It's a phenomenal series that you've been writing and So first of all, that the site that you've uh, sold, um, you joined that someone had had started it and you partnered up with them.
1: Yep, that's right. So one, one interesting thing. And when you asked about sort of like the the middle portion from like where I started to reaching the point of, um, you know, selling a site for that much, it's like relationships, like everything else in life, it's like relationships and knowing people and like, not being a jerk and that sort of thing. So really the only way that I was going to be able to join up with this is through some of the things that I did in the past. So to rewind in about the middle of 2014, a reader of niche site project emailed me, said, Hey, just wanted to connect with you. Um, I like your blog, blah, blah, blah. Seemed like a nice guy. His name was Rob Atkinson and he, you know, he was doing pretty well, making a few thousand a month. And I was like, hey, he seems like a smart guy, you know, I'll keep him on my list. Met up uh, with a couple other people with similar similar emails and basically uh, Rob and a guy named Quentin Hamp and I formed a a mastermind group. That's one of my skills, I guess, is to pull groups together and just organize and facilitate meetings. So I pulled together this group and we had you know, maybe eight months of meetings and developed a good relationship. And it, it sounded like Rob was at a point where, you know, he could use some some coaching in the area of scaling, adding processes and systems, because he was sort of at a point where he he needed to grow. He quit his full time job. He needed to grow his income. And I thought, hey, that'd be a great coaching series a public coaching series on niche site project so i held maybe six or seven sessions with him they're all on youtube if you sign up for my email list you could see them all and basically you know he started the site for project a white hat around the time when i was coaching him in late 2014 so to tie it all together you know there's a relationship building. I was using like my skills as a project manager and you know, sort of a coach to help him like refine his process, which was already working, but he needed to do more of it. So because Rob and I had a good relationship, when he was thinking about selling it, you know, maybe, maybe about four months before I even started working with him, he mentioned that hey I, I think i want to sell the site but you know it has private blog network links and i think it'll be a little bit harder to sell you know it'd be great to convert it to white hat so over the course of a couple months like just us chatting back and forth we realized that you know i had the skill set because of the guest posting service that i had yep. that would marry up perfectly and then he would have you know the ability to you know I mean he had the asset, right? He had the asset and the site. So that's how I ended up working with him, just through good relationship and then I had I had the skills where he needed them filled. And there were very few people that you can trust online, uh, <laughs> where, you know, you could just bring on, you know, someone that says they can do guest posting. Like he knew that I was able to execute on it.
0: And why was the um the is it black hat or grey hat that you uh, that you're trying to transition from? It's, it was grey hat. It was kind hat. Of, yeah, yeah. It was PBN. Uh, it was a site that had a bunch of PBN links, right? And uh, you wanted to clean that up. What was the what was the reason for wanting to clean that up? Why did you see that as a problem?
1: So two two things. And a very good question because there are you know a lot of sites that are just they're built up, they're used uh, or they're using PBNs. The private blog network links and if people don't know like what those are just basically a person can set up a bunch of websites that have um some you know like backlink authority domain authority attached to them and they're expired domains essentially so some person or company had a website and they let the domain expire but that domain still has a lot of backlinks so people will buy these domains up, uh, set up a network put some content and then they basically control the backlinks on their site sites and then they're able to You know build up their own uh, Like backlink profile on their money sites and that's a pretty common practice You know people call it gray hat and it's generally, you know violating the Google like quality uh, Webmaster guidelines, whatever they may be called. Mm -hmm. So and that's by the way, that's why I was penalized in the past, so I'm kind of a white hat guy now (laughs) just because, you know, I have time. I'm not in a huge rush. Yeah. And, um, you know, the risk is less. So to answer your question after all that background stuff is the there were two main reasons. One, we felt like the multiple that uh, you would get from a gray hat site versus a white hat site uh, would be you know dramatically different enough to put the work in. The other part is, you know, there are some there are some like, uh, I guess, services where you could buy uh, backlinks, you could rent backlinks and they try to keep those services pretty, um, I guess, elite isn't not it isn't the right word, but they try and keep them from being public. So essentially, it would be difficult to transfer those links over to the new owner so
0: yeah, they would have ongoing fees yeah
1: yes so at that point it would either be you know more admin work for rob to facilitate that link rental thing uh which would be like you know subletting an apartment or something <laughs> and you know i like to to go through a, a process like that seemed interesting to both of us so that was the main reason just to probably get a higher multiple and then to make it easier to sell
0: and that was back in uh like early 2016 uh or me, actually i think it was mid 2016 i had, had another look when you you got involved and you were thinking that
1: yep exactly like right around like july time frames when we had like early cool. discussions so like a year ago and were multiples
0: significantly different for sites that were using pbn's versus sites that weren't on, on say on empire flippers
1: we, this is all like anecdotal. We didn't do any like huge amount of research, but I, I did chat with um, Greg from Empire Flippers. And, you know, he said, you know, generally you're going to get a higher multiple because of that. They can't be specific with it. I guess each case is different. Um, FE International mentioned the same idea. And, there's other benefits of course like your buyer pool could be a little bit more uh just expanded yep and then you may get better offers just like stronger offers with like less of a payout period and just more cash up front
0: yeah very true and the the pbn links were there uh it was a bunch of different PBNs that you were, you were using. Did the the guy that you partnered up with did he own though some of those PBNs or was it all rented from other people?
1: It was a blend. Yep. So yeah, so he had a few, and then some were distributed on other networks.
0: And with your with the uh, with the transition, it was predominantly guest posting. That's that was your way of replacing those those links. That was the main strategy. With the other other ones that you were focused on or was pretty much that that was the 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 channel that you focused on
1: guest posting yeah yep. so the, the the one thing we also did which didn't really help the uh i guess backlink profile much was to do blog commenting but that was that's a piece of my outreach to do you know blog commenting <laughs> to get the relationship yeah yeah so essentially um guest posting yep
0: were there like with the, with the PBN links, were there maybe like 10 or 20 or, or, or more PBN links that you had to remove and, and then replace? Was it, was it that kind of, uh, that kind of number?
1: Yeah, pretty close. It was like 45. Oh, it, okay. it be, yeah, I could be specific. And um, <laughs> yeah, there were 45 PBN links. And, you know, I actually forgot to mention, you know, one of the early backlink strategies for, you know, sort of Rob's sites, at least at the time, was to get um, Web 2.0 blog links from a company called The Hoth. They do, yep. you know, pretty great job on a variety of services, and they have these gray hat type services as well.
0: So you removed all those as well. Or that, that was yep. okay. That was that was part of the
1: 45. Uh, in addition to uh, the 45. Well, okay. So yeah, quite yeah, quite so a like bit of work.
0: work yeah. <laughs> What's that? Quite a bit of work involved. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It. It. Uh, there were there were a lot of little pieces to make mistakes on.
0: Yeah. And then, so with, uh, so was it a combination of straight away, you removed the vast majority of those links and then went to work on the guest posts or did you kind of filter it? So you you took down some PBNs, you added some guest posts until you'd, uh, you've removed all the gray hat links. What was your strategy there?
1: Sure. So one thing (laughs) to note is (laughs) it's hard to actually get good information on a case study like this like not that many people do this because like I mean a lot of people question our sanity (laughs) um, at the beginning and I I was going to say then we convinced them but they still question (laughs) the sanity of what the hell we were trying to do so the thing is um, the site was making like 10k a month at that point when I joined up yeah so like we didn't want to interfere with any of the like rankings or anything like that. So wow. <laughs> the fact that, you know, we're playing like with real money and there's like real consequences. That's a lot of money. Like yeah. we didn't want to screw up because we lost ranking. So and, and the other part is we couldn't find any like good case studies yeah. where, <laughs> you know, someone went through this sort of process. So basically what we did was, we started with uh, guest posts first. Um, we wanted to get a good base of new links. One thing with guest posts um, is it, it can take a little bit longer than a PBN link to actually provide its push as yeah. far as authority and link juice. So I knew that we needed to get you know 10 or 15 guest posts published before we even thought about removing. Interesting.
0: Anything. Did you see a yeah. bump in in rankings from doing that uh, on top of the PPN links, or was there not much uh,
1: difference from that? We 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 saw a bump in rankings, but I don't think it was because of the guest post. I'll come back. I, I have a theory on what happened, but we were doing a few things at once. Is also um, we improved content. We mm-hmm. like added a lot of content, um, which is a whole other you know, piece of the puzzle that we haven't discussed yet. And basically, just to lay out the the plan of the the addition of the guest post and the removal of the PBN links, we decided to get, you know, 10 or 15 guest posts out. And then after about six to eight weeks, we would start removing the 45 PBN links. Yep. And we would remove them just in a linear fashion. We'd, we'd remove uh, 15 per month for three months while I was continuing to get the new guest posts. Yep, um,
0: <laughs> this, is, this is exciting. <laughs> yeah. It's like I'm, I finding, mean, I'm finding out what's gonna happen next.
1: <laughs> um, and the thing is like, you know, I mentioned we, um, we changed up on uh, the content a little bit too or improved it. So, you know, the reason why I sort of hesitated to answer, you know, did the rankings go up? The, the rankings like we didn't see the rankings move because we were already ranking number one for like the main term that we were trying to rank for Right. What we did see um, Is an increase in traffic of like 300% like 3x over about 90 days so that's like Ridiculous. Wow. Okay. Yeah and, and like the revenue went up from 10k to I mean we got help wow. from the retail season but like went from 10K in September to about um, made 32,000 in December.
0: How much of an increase would that have been, take out the, the kind of seasonal factors? Uh, what kind of percentage increase was that on, on uh, like the uh, the previous year or, or what kind of increase do, do you think happened yeah, it was
1: revenue-wise? From the previous year, it was about like, 320 percent so it, it did about 10k in december of 2015
0: and you hadn't really done too much in that year in terms of uh, of link building the pbn links were there the year previously
1: i you know what the history of the the backlinks i'm not sure i think he was adding some but you know i know that december of 2015 was the first time that it hit 10k yeah and then it dropped back down In early 2016 from the seasonal effect and then um, by summertime around this time it hit 10k again so and it was through i mean we added a lot of we improved a lot of content on this main page and it we took it from maybe like 2500 to 3000 words to like over 10,000 words Uh, okay and you know we weren't tracking all the long tail uh keywords that bring in traffic i mean we just didn't care right it didn't matter so much but yeah as soon as we added the content, um, the traffic started going up, which obviously was awesome.
0: Wow. Okay. So that's a big increase. That's a, a good uh, situation to to be in. And then you removed the first fifteen PBN links. Yes. And what happened next?
1: <laughs> so the nothing, like nothing happened. We just kept making more. Um, <laughs> more, more of the guest like, posts. Yeah. The yep. um, the. I guess November time frame is when we started to remove some of the links or it could have been late November, early December. And at that point we weren't seeing any sort of decline in traffic or rankings or anything. I have heard it, it does take time for a link to like once a link is removed for any kind of rankings to drop. So we may have seen that uh, unsure there were too many factors going on uh so when we started doing like more guest posting we we actually did hit a snag so there were there are multiple areas where you know things didn't go as we planned like ev- everything was going sort of fine as far as a revenue standpoint but at this point in like november december things started going wrong on on my side so i owned the guest posting portion that's the skill set i brought in so i was basically you know, working with uh, a contractor, a friend of mine who was also like in the services business and, you know, he needed customers and I needed links. So I essentially, you know, worked with him, helped to coach him through it. But unfortunately, after he got about the first 10 or 12 guest posts, he uh, like hit a snag. Like he wasn't adapting well to, you know, having basically trying to brute force his way through like sending out more emails and just more and more emails without doing the relationship building, which will continue to be a theme through this discussion. You know, he wasn't doing like more touch points to build a relationship with, you know, potential bloggers that would host our guest post. And at that point, I was trying to work through it and I, you know, sort of hesitated to you know, hire more of a team. you know, mind you, this is like in the December time frame where you know there's it's harder to get guest posts. like people are on vacation, they're not tending to their blogs. They're hanging out with family and doing other stuff. So at this point in time, the revenue was really good, but you know, Rob and I could tell that we weren't really going to be able to, you know, sell the site as quickly as we hoped. And this is one thing I didn't mention. We were hoping that we would be able to list the site in the January timeframe of 2017,
0: mm-hmm. and uh, it wasn't going as quick as possible because you didn't have the total number of blog posts that you felt comfortable you would need in order to, in order to remove all the links.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Uh, and what was so, that?
0: Would that be like over a hundred, or what? What kind of number are you talking about?
1: Well, with what I know now, yeah, I would say we should have gotten about a (laughs) hundred. But uh, at the time we thought, hey, we'll just add about the same number. I see. Yeah. yeah.
0: I was thinking before we go on, maybe like two to one would be the ratio. Um, But having never done this.
1: (laughs) Right. And I think, you know, two to one is probably the right way to do it because, I mean, like it takes longer for these guest posts to put their, you know, link juice behind a site and actually move the rankings. The one thing that I, I do, which I don't hear people talk about much, but from let's say I get 10 guest posts out there and I'm, I'm working on my next 10, what you should do is link in your new guest post to your old guest post. So it's the same idea of like tiered link building that You know, people using gray hat, but instead of using, you know, basically bad gray hat type links, you're using your other guest post, and through that, you're able to build up the authority on your previous guest post, and you're able to get those links in because the you know the blogger who's hosting your guest post is thinking, hey, well, they're not linking out to their site all the time; they just have (laughs) you know one link to their site, and then they're linking out to all these great other sites in the in the niche in the community and they leave those links in and you're building up authority across your guest post.
0: And did that backfire? That, that would be, I'd be a little bit worried about doing that. that, that it seemed, didn't backfire. That no, to, it, That went well.
1: Yeah. that I, I, I've done that lots. Oh yeah. Yeah. In question Richard. Why, why do you think well, that maybe?
0: Because I've had, uh, I've been burned from uh, linking uh, between my sites before. Um, I've, I've, Burn domains by by doing that, and I've had to remove remove links in the past. Um, and so I'm just very wary of of linking between domains that you you know have in the same uh, webmaster account or you know in your own domain if you don't have uh, the privacy on, or if Google just somehow knows that you know that you're involved. I uh, I'm very wary about linking between domains that that I uh, own or have con- control over, um, just on kind of previous experience.
1: Gotcha. So the, the th- maybe, maybe it didn't explain too well. So these are all on other people's some, sites. Like, yeah. Yeah. So it's like all different webmaster, all different IPs, different hosting yeah, accounts. So th-
0: it just, it just feels like you're kind of uh, giving Google uh, like the heads up that all of these uh, guest posts are, are related. <laughs> and are all ultimately coming back to one site. It kind of, yeah. uh, it kind of feels like a, a public PBN. <laughs> Uh, public uh, blog network. Um, You're right. I don't know. It, it just like, feel it's a little bit too aggressive or creative for for me, for my comfort. I think.
1: <laughs> gotcha. And and you know, a couple people um, did mention it to me, and I think. Well, when I see how um, like an actual PBN is linking out, and then I look at you know a regular blog, take a look at their backlink profile and see like where they're linking out to i i haven't analyzed it deeply but I, like i can imagine the diagram of, of the links going out and the pbn would be a little more obvious than oh for
0: sure for sure
1: um but you know what you there's definitely a risk in any kind i mean i'm manually doing this stuff and there's a risk and i was intentionally doing it so there's always a risk yeah. even with guest posting I mean for sure
0: I had a recent one on one of my little sites that I'm kind of experimenting with. Um, I got a manual penalty, and uh, but it was—it said that the site had been hacked. That there was no uh, sign of any hacking, <laughs> and the only thing that I could think of was uh, the fact that I had been a little bit aggressive interlinking between sites that were obviously mine. Um, you know, these are not PBN sites; these are sites that I own that have my name on that. You know, uh, it's obvious that it is me. Um, but that was the only thing that I could think of, uh, and in the reconsideration request, I said that I, you know, removed any uh, potential links that could look manipulative from sites that I own or you know have control over. Um, that was the only thing that I could think of. So that's uh, that's why I'm a little bit cautious with this now. Uh, I just think Google is getting so goddamn smart, and then any any way of um, kind of alerting them to to, to something. Um, I just kind of want to stay away from now.
1: <laughs> hey, you're making me nervous.
0: Yeah, oh, I'm very nervous. I'm very paranoid with, with Google. <laughs> from, yeah. I've, had, so- I've not really done anything particularly great, you know, like super great. I haven't created any PBN links. I've uh, I've just been a little bit aggressive in certain areas and, and I've had a few manual penalties. And um, I just, I never want to, to have that again with the sites that I'm, that I'm building that are real... You know profitable sites and real assets i just uh i don't want to have that risk any anymore
1: (laughs) i hear you on that um
0: so what happened when you removed the all the all the pbn's all those 45 links uh after that three-month period did did things uh fall off a little bit
1: a little bit yeah so you know one interesting thing like with this whole project it's been really hard because like we we didn't have control over like all the aspects. You, you never really can in like a real live environment. So the traffic did definitely go down. The thing is, I'm, I'm we're not 100% sure why. Like we didn't dramatically like drop in the rankings or anything, but it could have been, you know, two main factors. One, you know, losing that sort of long tail traffic that we had picked up from before. It could have been, um, you know, other sites targeting those longer tail terms using, you know, something I talk about the keyword golden ratio where maybe, you know, they're now a better, you know, match for the visitor. So they're ranking for these Mm -hmm. sort of ultra long tails. And then the second factor is just sheer timing, sheer bad luck. Uh, The actual product uh, line that we're making most of the money from was declining in Google trends. So if you take a look, the period where, uh, you know, the site has, was doing so well in the 2016 range, this is like a, you know, a five or six year high as far as the interest level on Google trends for that particular product. And if you, you know, zoom out a little bit, you see it's on a decline right now. So it's a little bit unclear if it, you know, it's probably a little of both. Interesting. The rankings probably dropped a little, yeah. and then the trend—it's just not popular.
0: Yep. Uh, did you get hit by the Amazon uh, change of their the fee structure at all? Did that impact much?
1: Yes, that hurt a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, in yeah, the for the background, the Amazon Associate program—you know—they were paying like excellent rates for years. And, you know, I think like Amazon does, it sort of corners the market and then it can adjust because it has the market share that it needs. So in this case, you know, typically the site was paying out at the highest commission rate, eight and a half percent. Yep. Um, and and that, that was ongoing for months. And, you know, Rob and I actually got a heads up, you know, he, he was, um, you know, making enough on this site where Amazon reached out to him to let him know ahead of time wow. that the rates were gonna change. So we knew something was gonna come, but we didn't know exactly what it was going to be. And you know, ro- ro- or I guess once March 1st rolled around, the rates adjusted and effectively, if you were making money on Amazon, most people saw a reduction. And I mean, if you're just getting started, it, it doesn't matter, like it still pays out well, it converts into, ma- amazing way but the bottom line is our revenue went down by 35 percent, like overnight
0: wow how long of a heads up did they give you
1: about a month
0: oh, okay so not, not long enough to to listen well maybe maybe if you're lucky but not really long enough to listen and, and sell before that happened <laughs> <laughs> right
1: right and, and you know like people other people knew it was coming too because you know they, again, Amazon reached out to certain individuals, yep. so people knew. And the thing is, you know, in hindsight, like if we were able to, I guess, get the guest post faster, remove the links faster, and list it in January, there's a strong chance not only would the, you know, just the average monthly income would have been higher, just due to the the math used to calculate that, but you know, it would have been 35% higher, which is, you know, over six figures.
0: I am paranoid now about any, anything that I'm doing in terms of, uh, of link building. Um, and like, uh, like just last month I had that manual, manual penalty to recover from. So I looked at all the Google guidelines again and, and thoroughly read them this time. Um, and it seems that, you know, you can have a, a solid argument that actually guest posting, um, you know, we've seen videos by Matt Cutts saying if, if the intention is uh, to get the link, you shouldn't be guest posting. Um, you know, there's an argument saying that the guest posting uh, with the intention of, of, you know, improving rankings is also manip- manipulative and could be seen as grey hat, as kind of crazy as it sounds. You know, it's it's traditionally one of the most kind of white hat things as long as you're not paying for the link placement. Um, you would traditionally think that that's a very white hat thing. Um, but a lot of people... Uh, that I'm kind of uh, seeing now, are arguing that even something like guest posting for links is, is also manipulative and potentially gray hat and no better than if you were to just use PBNs. <laughs> what, right. what would the, your response you know, be to that? Yeah.
1: I can, um, Well, just my (laughs) gut response is to say like, what, what can we do then? Like there's, then we can't do anything.
0: No, I mean, Google doesn't want you to do anything that that's, that's for sure. (laughs) Apart from, you know, great content and optimized for search engines with with the tags. That's where they, they want it to, to end.
1: (laughs) Right. And, And you know what? I mean, there's definitely a route that I like enjoy um, going where, you know, there's no link building and you're just going for a volume of very low competition keywords. But um, as far as the guest posting aspect, I will like I've, I've mentioned it some on my blog, but I'll make a prediction, you know, here. And that is, I, I would say like in maybe 12 to, I don't know, 24 months or so there, there's a range. I'm not quite sure, but I think guest posting is going to change some because at this point, there are people that are sending out, you know, 100 emails a day, like weeks on end, and they're really just sort of spamming bloggers with like really poor pitches. Like, I get my own templates back to me. Like, they're not changed at all. They've just filled in the, you know, the the fields, and they're just sending out so many emails. And I think, you know, one, bloggers aren't really gonna be like accepting those weak pitches anymore. And the other part is, you know, the ones that do are probably going to have like tons of these guest posts that look kind of, you know, shady and they're not well written and they're obviously written just for the links. So my thought is, you know, guest posting is going to change and it will be about, you know, getting the links. We have to spend the time building the relationship with the blogger. And if you do that, Chances are there's not going to be many other guest posts on their sites, and other people aren't going to be able to go and reverse engineer your backlink profile and get that link. And I think you know that could be the differentiator. I hope where that's you true. know if you if you get the link on a site that doesn't have many outbound links, like that's going to look pretty good um, to yeah. to Google.
0: If you build a relationship, it's less likely that they would, you know, switch the link. If someone emails and says, "Hi, I've got a better, you know, skyscraper piece of content. Could you, uh, you may want to link to this?" They're far less likely to do that because you have a, a personal, genuine, uh, genuine link with them. Um, so there's definitely that benefit. Um, but I imagine a lot of blogs, if people still offer them money, they'll likely take it for a, for a much lower quality article, if the, the price yep. is high enough.
1: Um, yeah. I, I see that too a lot more, you know, particularly in like uh like the travel blog space. I see a lot of that. Yeah, for and sure. I know. <laughs> uh one of my one of my friends when I first got started online, he had a travel blog and was doing really well. And I, I mean, I think Google sort of devalued a lot of those travel blog links because they were selling so many links out there. And essentially, you know, his revenue went down to, you know, a fraction, you know, 10% of what it was. And I think the industry was hit pretty hard in I think 2014. And again, I, I yeah. envision something like that happening.
0: And um, why did his revenue go down? Because the people who were seeking placements, they saw the metrics drop.
1: Yep, exactly. Which, so, and it which was... metrics
0: would would that would be totally visible for, for them? Um, for what, what metrics would they be looking at? Would you know domain authority with Open Site Explorer? Is that something that would? Uh, I don't know how often that that would update. Um, are they looking for for traffic stats and similar web seeing if it, it, you know, if it has legitimate traffic? I'm just wondering what the uh, the the metrics are that uh, you know people would actually want to have a a post on that site or not.
1: You know what? I'm not a hundred percent sure the mechanism other than like the, the, uh, I guess impact like went away. So to my knowledge, and I wasn't intimately familiar with like the business portion of it, just the results. But, um, a lot of the travel bloggers, like all of a sudden, you know, these, travel uh, companies because, that were
0: I see, in, in aggregate, it wasn't working as well.
1: Right. Okay. Yeah. So in aggregate and I'm pretty sure like the marketing directors or whoever was buying the ad it, it, or links as it were on these, you know, tons of travel blogs, they were informed somehow that <laughs> those were not going to be like useful anymore and Google wasn't going to, yeah. you know, I'm not sure if the sites were de-indexed or what.
0: Yeah. But, I mean, Again, on on my first site, um, you know, I found out that I could make money by having a a write-for-us page. And, um, you know, I was never explicit about it, but I would be saying there's an admin fee for getting the content up, uh, which you could, you know, very easily argue is the same thing. Um, And, you know, this is when I was kind of getting started and, uh, you know, desperate to make any kind of money. Um, And so I was getting these pictures from agencies all the time and uh, and, uh, making money doing that. Uh, but yeah, around 2013, that totally dried up for me. Um, and I had no manual actions back then. I wouldn't have really known what the hell to, to do or what that was anyway. I probably wouldn't have even been looking, um, in the search console, but, um, you know, now, you know, there's, there's no messages, there's no, uh, manual actions or anything, but, uh, that site doesn't rank for anything anymore. <laughs> it gets very, very little traffic. Um, but I just, I've always wondered why that stopped. 'cause to me that that wasn't the fact that it didn't get much traffic it wasn't ranking uh wasn't particularly visible maybe they were using like s e m rush back then but you know I thought back then it was all about page rank it still had the strong page rank uh I thought that was the most important thing to, uh for people seeking uh you know content links um but i've always wondered why that suddenly dried up and and other people as well uh who I was talking to it kind of ended in, in twenty thirteen and I never knew why, and uh, but yes, I, my days of uh, having a you know a write for us page are uh, are definitely in the past. No, I've learned from that experience.
1: <laughs> right.
0: If it is seen as manipulative, if, if Google does find ways of devaluing that, then I guess we are left with targeting the uh, the very long tail keywords with uh, a bunch more pages on on our sites, um, yep. which probably isn't uh, the best thing in terms of uh, experience for for visitors it's probably much better to have larger pages going into a lot more detail it's a tricky situation it's it's definitely not as easy and there is a good argument for just you know being very public about the fact that you are using uh, pbn's and uh, and just having that you know uh, factored into the multiple because for me i think uh, having spoken to a bunch of people in this podcast that have PBN services or are using them or, um, you know, people uh, mark from authority hacker who, who is totally white hat and, uh, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't go there. I think for me, there's kind of like two ends of the spectrum now It's either you basically you do nothing. <laughs> you, you find, you know, like mentions of your site and, uh, ask for a, for a link back if they haven't linked that to me appears to be completely a white hat. Um, or, you know, you do a little bit of broken link building that kind of stuff. Um, And just kind of general content promotion Um, or you say okay well i am gonna uh, likely go against google guidelines and (laughs) just uh, go go to town (laughs) and just be very very uh you know open and honest about that and uh, when you're selling a site mention that the fact that you've done that uh uh, yeah it's tricky i think this kind of middle middle area um, is very gray it's kind of more gray than it's ever been
1: (laughs) right and you know, I, I imagine that if you if you got a few backlinks from a PBN and you had like a nice blend of different types of links, uh, maybe some scholarship edu links, and then maybe some PBN links, and then maybe you know some uh, guest posts, and like you said, broken link building or something like that. Which, <clears throat> to be perfectly honest, I haven't. I haven't actually heard anyone say they've been able to execute broken link building in recent times and like make it you know, cost and time effective. But yeah, I don't know if that's still like a viable route. People talk about it because in theory it could work, but I haven't seen anyone do it with an affiliate site. How about you? Uh, not as a process, not, not in
0: terms of, uh, you know, having an effective process, having people deliver it. It's something that I've dabbled in. It's not something that I've doubled down on. No. Um, yeah, it's an interesting world that we're, that we're playing in and, uh, yeah, Google guidelines, uh, make for some very interesting reading. Uh, it will make you very paranoid.
1: (laughs) Yeah. No kidding. No kidding. And then, I mean, then you see, you know, really bad private blog networks like working also. And... oh
0: th- that's the thing for, sh- for sure it works and, and even you know a bunch of you know people who are pr- pretty much only doing footer links um <laughs> on uh, sites that they've either kind of web agencies you know their client sites um that still does incredibly well as well i've, I've been noticing that, uh, that locally where i'm at in in the uk um there's a site ranking uh, on page one for a keyword that i'm focused on that that's all they've done (laughs) and they're they're, they're on page one is is insane all they have are fitter links with the same (laughs) with like three different types of anchor text repeated like uh, maybe a hundred times um and it works these these things still work google isn't as uh smart as we give it credit for you know in 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 aggregate but um they certainly do detect pbn's and and take action um right i don't know i'm left with doing uh being you know, basically just doing no, no link building or uh you know building a site where i am actively building links with with all these tactics um as a as a blend um but right now yeah right now i'm not doing anything in terms of of pbns but f- the more i read about it the more it kind of starts to make sense to me um because the things can you know everything at some level can be seen as manipulative and It's just, uh, it's just, it's on the same spectrum. It's just, you know, how, how much risk you're willing to, to take. And I don't think multiples have really factored that in too, too well. I don't see a huge difference between sites on Empire that have PBNs versus sites that, uh, that state that they do not. I haven't really looked into it in, in a huge level, but, um, I kind of, I'm kind of th- feeling like PBNs are having a little bit of a comeback, <laughs> or starting to be a lot more accepted. And you're seeing it, you know, on the listing description page now. Um, it's it's a lot more open and and, uh, and and apparent than than it used to be. Maybe it's only because I've i only recently started looking into it. Um, right. But I think. Yeah.
1: I think you could be right. You know, there's a bit of a, a renaissance, and there was, you know, a period where when I got started in 2013, 2014, super popular. And, you know, really, that was what, you know, what white hat guys were teaching, uh, who they're white hat now. And they were using PBNs like very aggressively and very liberally. And then, you know, it got them to change their tune. And I think, you know, I imagine this whole world is, is sort of, Cyclical and goes in cycles, so yeah. I imagine we're probably in a you know sort of a high period where you know people figured out how to do uh PBNs better, they're running cleaner networks, they have better domains. Um, the you know the people that are selling renting links out and have weathered the storm are actually like doing it well and they have pretty tight networks. You know, there's several. Uh, guys I know and I, by the way I have nothing against PBNs I think they work great I just don't have the stomach for it so yeah no I, I don't I don't do
0: I, it. <laughs> I, uh, I don't either
1: <laughs> yeah uh, uh, yeah we're we're older you know we're we are yeah yeah. I'm, I'm,
0: I'm a lot more risk adverse now yeah
1: <laughs> yeah so like I see the value I don't want to get a job again so no I'm I to... <laughs> <laughs>
0: exactly exactly uh, I don't want to go to zero again no um, that, that would suck so yeah are you are you working on the, the next sites that you're uh, going to be building up to sell? Are you you're continuing to work in terms of a partnership, or you have your own sites that you're, uh, you're looking to sell maybe in a year's time or so? Is this the the strategy going forward?
1: So I have um, I have a, a few sites I don't talk about at all. So um, I'll tell you there's one site that I'm picking back up. Um, it's another site that I, I worked with uh, with a partner. And it's one that, it's been around for a few years and we actually were we were trying to, you know, get out of our area of expertise and we were attempting to do, you know, email and affiliate marketing primarily. And we we went away from, you know, Amazon affiliates, which is what, you know, my partner and I are really experts in. And, you know, we got busy uh, over, you know, the last year or so working on other projects. and We're coming back to it and we're actually you know, pumping it full of content right now with the keyword golden ratio, and essentially that's just those ultra long tail keywords. We could uh, discuss that a- another time. It's a big topic, but uh, we're working on that, and we we have the advantage of having age on the site. It has some good backlinks from a couple of years back, and there's already you know quite a few posts, and we're adding to it. Again, going back to what we're actually good at, which is Amazon affiliate type content.
0: And uh, this is like the 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 guy you work with started uh, himself, or did you purchase the domain? He
1: he actually started it, but we've been like partners on it for two and a half years. So I think it was it was a, he bought the domain, and then we we started working on it like sometime later. So.
0: And I'll, I'll link to your um, keyword golden radio ratio post uh, in the show notes. But um, these are, are much longer-term keywords. Are you create how much kind of uh, uh, what's the word count on on the pages that you're actually creating for these longer tail keywords? And do you end up with sites with hundreds of pages with much uh, a lower uh, word count of of content on each page by by taking that approach?
1: Yes. So. We were aiming for about a thousand words on average. So it's not, you know, truly like short form content. Yeah. But, you know, if it's a topic that doesn't have much information that can be, you know, written about, which that happens sometimes if it's really specific, it may be, you know, 700, 800 words. And then if it's more more meaty, you know, maybe maybe it's a thousand twelve hundred words, something like that. And Typically, I mean, this is a volume play here. So you I believe you really need to have if you want to make, you know, real money, good money, then you need to have at least, you know, 50 of these posts. And, you know, I've seen good results adding about 200, um, 100 to 200 posts. And obviously it's an investment in content and time and all that stuff. But, you know, these are ranking and getting traffic without any backlinks so if you imagine how much backlinks cost in either time uh renting pbn's or however you're getting backlinks the fact that you don't have to get backlinks is a big deal and is that so,
0: is that because the home page and other other a few other pages uh you're focusing on getting links to those and uh the domain authority is rising that way. And so these uh, long tail keyword posts don't need them. That's because you're doing uh, backlinks to other pages, main pages on your site, or the site just doesn't need backlinks
1: at all this way. So I don't have a ton of data on it. Um, I almost never get links to the homepage, by the way, just as a note. So I don't care if the homepage ranks at all ever. Um, since it's not actually gonna make any money. So I mainly get links to internal pages. And yeah, I I don't try and get links to the homepage at all. So the particular sites that I do have experience with, they did have some backlinks to inner pages. So there is some domain authority there. Um, and there's a tremendous amount of interlinking throughout the site. It's like Wikipedia, like every post is linking out to multiple places and every single post has internal links coming to it. Interesting. Um, I think that's a key part by the way, to like have the site really well linked up.
0: You don't find it's uh, easier to get links to your homepage though. If you're just uh, trying to get brand and, uh, you know, uh, links added to, to sites, uh, to pages that already exist. I, I guess that's not really your strategy, though. Your strategy is brand new content for guest posts. And within that post, you can link to um, uh, wherever you want to link back to, yeah? To, 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 yeah. to the inner pages.
1: Yeah, you know, um, like, as far as easier, do you mean, like, um, people will allow you to have those links? Yeah, I,
0: I find I, I I'm able to pick up links to homepage, uh, a lot easier than some kind of random, well, much easier than a money page. (laughs)
1: Um, yeah, I think, you know what, I hear what you're saying. And I think like, if, if you, if you said no link or homepage link, well, I'll take the homepage link. But in recent times, because of, you know, the deeper relationship building, uh, the, person usually lets that link to an affiliate review page they let it stand
0: i see interesting yeah okay so you're not really doing the kind of creating informational posts that don't have any affiliate links in and getting links to those and then redirecting link juice to the the money pages you're you're able to to not uh, need to do that by building good relationships with blogs and, and directly linking, uh, to, to the pages that you ultimately want links to is that's your strategy.
1: Generally. Yes. Interesting. I will say if it makes sense in the guest post, I'll link to an informational article because you can still put affiliate links in an informational article. If someone's, you know, trying to buy, I always make examples that, of stuff laying on my desk so i have like a, a, a like a pilot g2 like pen yep and if someone is trying to get information on a pen they're probably interested in pens and paper and other writing utensils so totally you know it would make sense to say hey if you are interested in this 12 pack of pilot pens you can check them out on amazon so
0: but your strategy is is not you know creating uh you know, maybe one for one or two informational posts to one affiliate post. Um, and Because a lot of people, they will do their link building to those informational posts rather than the, rather than the actual uh, content that they want ranked. And so you're able to bypass pretty much most of that or all of that, right? With uh, the way that you're building sites? Yes. Interesting. That's very interesting. Because, uh, in, you know, from uh, people that I'm speaking to, I think uh, the uh, kind of traditional route with these Amazon associate sites is, is to do that is to have no affiliate links on on pages that have detailed content, so that you're able to attract these links. Um, but it makes total sense to me if you can if you can not if you don't need to create these, uh, have the cost involved of creating these big pages, and you can just focus on um, answering people's long tail search queries uh, and getting sure. links to those. That would make a lot more sense. That would um, that's a much better strategy. Save uh, time. Well, yeah, and, yeah,
1: you know the. The thing is, you know, number one, you could not put the the affiliate links in until sometime
0: later. Yeah, I thought that too. <laughs> I've had yeah. that thought, yeah. And then
1: the other part is, you know, like, obviously, I'm just telling you what I do. Yep. And I know that, uh, like, creating, That's say, so an true. infographic and then going and promoting that and getting links to that, awesome strategy. Really cool. It works well. I don't super enjoy it so I don't do it. Mm. Um, and this method that I'm describing seems to work pretty well.
0: Interesting. That's given me a lot to think about. And one of my sites that I'm working on in the travel niche, um, I've been getting a lot of, I've been, I've not wanted it, but I've been happy to accept it. A lot of homepage links. And then I'm trying to redirect that equity through to the most important pages, um, and trying to get that page ranking that way. Um, And I thought that was my only approach, but you know, walking around today before this phone call, like uh, I made like a a reminder, like, am I actually just, why don't I just actually uh, make the homepage, my main money page, just swap it over. I already have all those links going to the homepage. And why don't I just have this site, uh, the homepage, the the most important page with, with all the affiliate links. Why don't I just do that rather than trying to mess around, moving link equity around and, uh, you know, having homepage links that don't really do anything for, for me right now. Um, yeah. and so why so don't, are, why don't you do that, do that to your, yourself? Why is the homepage, uh, why aren't you kind of having like a big blog post on the homepage for, um, for, for a kind of more of a head term, uh, more of a higher volume term. Uh, it's not something that you're doing.
1: You know, that's, I feel like that's more of an old, like an old school, um, Like, that's what I did in 2013, 2014. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, really, I think a lot of that is sort of a holdover from like gray hat ideas. So, you know, people are getting, trying to get branded anchor text, they're trying to get naked URLs. They're trying to like cover up the fact that they're getting links from PBNs using rich anchor text. Yeah. But if you're getting, you know, guest posts from a variety of different uh, referring domains, I think the footprint's less and then, you know, you can still randomize your anchor text, but you don't, you don't have to go for, you know, homepage links to diversify your interest. Uh, you know, wouldn't, it, wouldn't it text distribution? Wouldn't it look
0: more natural to Google to have more links to your homepage than any other page there?
1: I don't, know. Yeah, I don't I, know. You know what? <laughs> I, I have no idea. I, I haven't because looked at you. You
0: would think if, if you had a page that got crazy popular, um, in a viral way, then you would have naturally have some outliers of, of inner pages that do a lot better than people, you know, linking back with a naked, you know, URL or, or with a brand term, you would think that actually maybe that is more natural. Um,
1: yeah, yeah I think Netflix I've got, a blend.
0: yeah, it's interesting. I think I've got, a, you know, some, um, limiting beliefs or kind of like past <laughs> like experience, uh, right. holding me down with, with, uh, with with that interesting yeah it's and, it's and think there's no there's no kind of one overall playbook to to go from is there like like it's uh it is a very no one's really solved this yet <laughs> no one really knows right. what the best strategy is what the best way of building these sites are um which obviously keeps it very interesting
1: yeah and i think um you know one one note bef- a thing that uh you mentioned before about having like the homepage as the, you know, affiliate content. If I'm trying to get guest posts, I do know that if you have a homepage that's like mainly <laughs> yeah. sales oriented, yeah. someone's going to go to your site and they're going to think you're just a marketer and not like a real person. Yeah. So there's a danger there and it would definitely impact, um, you know, guest posting ability. So if you have a natural looking homepage, that's good. I
0: agree. You can't build a brand. You can't, uh, you know, build on, you know, maybe you want to move into e-commerce at some point or, you know, go after much bigger editorial type, uh, publications, you know, you're going to look like a, uh, you know, you're not going to look very professional by, um, having a bunch of Amazon buttons on your, on your homepage.
1: Exactly. Uh, exactly. I agree. And I think, um, you know, from a, you know, secondary standpoint, like you mentioned, you thought, Hey, why don't I switch my, my homepage to a, a money, you know, article Uh, And you could do that. Like you could always like test it and check and see, and you know, worst case scenario, it doesn't work and you change it back and anyone can do that for whatever they're trying to, you know, work on.
0: That is a good point. I I may actually do that after this call. (laughs) Yeah. Just because I'm struggling to get this in a page ranking. Um, it's in the travel niche. It's linking out to travel sites to get commissions and, um, it's, there's just no reason why anyone would would want to link to it. I'm trying to be very creative, <laughs> coming up with right. uh, lots of creative strategies to, to get links to that page. Um, and it's taking me a lot longer, and I need to get it ranking uh, over the next few months. Otherwise I, I kind of, it's, it's a seasonal thing that I'm play that I'm doing. Um, yes. So I think I will test that. Very cool. So you, you think your strategy going forward is, is going to continue to be the guest posts, the the better quality ones, the, the real relationships, that's going to be your main tactic, uh, along with solid, uh, content. Yeah.
1: Yep. And I think, you know, from my perspective, I'm getting a really a better ROI on my time with a volume of posts. Like I mentioned using the keyword golden ratio and essentially, um, you know, it shifted and I'm making more money from like these, this greater volume of content, and, you know, at the point where, you know, I have a few hundred posts on my site and I can, I have the budget to invest in even more content, I feel like it, you know, builds a little bit of a moat around the site where I'm not relying on one or two keywords. I'm relying on 200 keywords. Yeah. And for a new site to come in and recreate what I've done is much more difficult as time goes on.
0: So you, do you think that those, uh, you know far more focused pages would be at risk from a site that has a uh, good authority that creates like a, a big page that has the say it say it takes like five or ten of your longer tail keywords uh, mm-hmm. combines them into one big page with you know using different subheadings um, do you think you'd always be able to compete against that that bigger page um, you know your your uh, individual post tactic is is more sure.
1: more defensible I think, so what I've found, right, so I'm doing this at a volume. I find that about, I don't know, maybe five to 20% don't rank well. And then the middle, uh, the big middle chunk sort of, you know, it, it ranks maybe in the top five or so. So it gets some traffic, but nothing crazy. And then there's maybe like, two to five percent that do exceptionally well and actually rank better than a page like you described where it's a longer form but it's not as specific and you know a specific user is looking for something you know really really detailed then you know my page may rank better and it'll also attract long tails associated with that one so there's a couple home runs There's definitely some strikeouts and most of the time, you know, something happens. You get one or two visitors through long tails.
0: And on these sites, are you also building out bigger pages yourself that target the the higher volume keywords or is it the pure long tail approach that you're doing with new sites? There's a blend. Okay.
1: Yeah, there's a blend. So there are a few um, pages that are really long form you know, 12,000 words, they're targeting a big term. I do link building to them. Yep. And then there's another set of, you know, keywords and that's the majority of the content.
0: Interesting. So it's site like that has like a hundred pages. How many of those big pages would there be? Would it be like three or five and then the rest of the other, uh, going off the longer tail keywords?
1: Yeah. Three or five, something like Interesting.
0: that. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I like it. Yeah, this whole big page versus small page thing also hasn't been solved. (laughs) Still a lot of experimenting. Um, Right.
1: uh, Yeah. I have a feeling it's like it goes down to the specific like keyword phrase and like each one is a little different based on, you know, machine learning and the algorithm and a bunch of other things we don't even know about. But I think it'd be really hard to like nail down across across niches. Right. It'd be really tough.
0: Maybe a strategy would be, uh, you know, for every, uh, you, you you start off just focus on the longer tail keywords, which is obviously a good strategy for, for a brand new site anyway. Um, and then the ones that don't go anywhere, you can buy it into a post and see if that works and kind of move up the chain. Maybe that could be a strategy. Yeah.
1: Um, yep, that's exactly. That's in the course, actually. Ah, like, very cool. Start, start oh. long tail, <laughs> and then, you know, you, we can guess about what content to combine, but yeah. really the best way to do it is just to find out where it's ranking, listen to Google, and then yep. do what Google wants.
0: I love it. And then you focus on the link building afterwards once you uh, you, you get the earliest, early successes, and, uh, and then you can build from from there. And those early ones go off the super long-tail keywords that aren't well served in Google you're going to be ranking uh, you know after you, you know through the after the sandbox but you'll be ranking just naturally without having to do anything um, exactly. That's that seems a very good strategy. This has been a very good call. I'm going to make some changes after, <laughs> <just right away laughs> after Let me this. know it goes. Alright, No, this is not the end of the episode. We have our first sponsor. This episode is sponsored by FunnelEngine.com. Does your website even convert, bro? You need to make more money from existing traffic by claiming your free sales funnel templates and copy scripts at FunnelEngine.com. There are nine free marketing and sales funnel templates available. Opt-in funnels, e-commerce funnels, high-ticket client funnels. Go and grab the free templates and upgrade your website today. Thanks to FunnelEngine for sponsoring this episode. So you've got a background in in project management that you're now applying to niche sites.
1: A good way to sort of place this in, I guess, context how how special it is. Maybe <laughs> um, there are a lot of internet marketing blogs, and you know there are many many experts, and there's a lot of information on you know the written on the written side with blogs. There's a lot of YouTube videos. A lot of it is very unorganized. So. There's more information than you could possibly consume, yet it's really hard to like sort through all the information. So one of the advantages I have is with the project management area is basically being able to, you know, look at a lot of this complex information, sort out what's important, sort out what is not important, which is probably even more uh, valuable, and then you end up with a bit of a distilled piece of uh you know valuable information. So like you said, I've I've applied project management to like niche sites and internet marketing where there was not much organization before. And I've been able to hopefully come in and you know focus on the things that really must be done, prioritize the the tasks and you know make it a more repeatable process. And when it comes down to it A lot of project management is, you know, taking what you've learned, implementing things, applying it to other areas, future projects so that, you know, you have a bit of a framework to work to like implement a a project, build a niche site or whatever you're doing.
0: So have you broken down the task of building niche sites into uh, different projects and you've created procedures for those? Where's the... uh, the biggest win that you can have with your, with your background when you're applying it to building sites?
1: I think I didn't realize it at first, but I think it's probably around building teams and being able to scale up in a way that doesn't stress you and everyone else on your team out. So (laughs) and I didn't realize that was, you know, something that I held, um, that other people don't necessarily have. And it's, you know, like everything else, it was just through practice. So when I think about it, um, it makes total sense. And I can give an example where I've added a couple hundred articles, a couple hundred review posts to one specific site using the keyword golden ratio. And I was able to, you know, I didn't write any of it myself, but I was able to spawn up a team uh, that started with one writer and then it grew to about five or six writers with a content manager essentially taking me out of the, you know, the loop where I was functioning as a project manager and I just oversaw what happened. The... The reason why I guess it makes sense that I am comfortable hiring and dealing with the HR aspect of teams is I interviewed probably over 100 people as I was helping to grow a team of project managers from about, uh, I think about 30 people to over 100 in under a year. So I didn't realize how valuable of an experience that was, but I literally, you know, I'd get resumes, I'd review them and then, you know, help interview the people through a, you know, a group group type interview over the phone. So when you, when it took a step back, I guess it doesn't surprise me that I'm all right with hiring people. And the the converse, the unfortunate converse is there's always, you know, HR issues or, or personnel issues with a team that big. So I also, I wasn't necessarily shy to you know work with the personnel that wasn't delivering and then release them if if that was the right thing to do
0: yeah, so how how would someone best? Uh structure uh, building out their their team in terms of project managers do you have multiple project managers looking after different areas of, of building new sites do you have one project manager managing other project managers um, what would be the best way to conceptualize how you're building these uh, your teams out
1: first i would say you need to figure out what you actually want to create with your you know online business I am at a point where I figured out that I don't really want to create a job for myself like I had before and have, you know, a team that I have to make sure has plenty of work to do and deal with the HR issues. So I run a very lean team where I have myself (laughs) and uh, freelancers that I'll pick up as needed Mm -hmm. and release them. As the projects are finished, and that works best for me. It's literally exactly what I want to do. Versus, you know, hiring, you know, basically a staff that I would then have to manage. That's exactly so I, yeah.
0: That's exactly what I do as well.
1: <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. So, however, it doesn't mean that you you know you can't we can't we can spawn up as big of a team as we want to, but there's you know certain things you have to do ahead of time to make it work. Now. The converse, right? I know some people do want to, you know, grow a team. They want to make it bigger. Maybe it's an agency and you literally need to have those people on staff. I would recommend having sort of, I mean, I came from a corporate background. So my natural inclination is to have a bit of a hierarchy where, say, there's a manager, a project manager over the content team. So that maybe would consist of a content manager slash editor and three writers. And then you interface with the manager, not each of the writers. Then maybe for the outreach portion, you have someone that oversees like the you know the outreach VAs and that person is the outreach manager. Now while I do come from a corporate background, the the hierarchy does like feel more comfortable as far as an org chart come like uh, as far as an org chart and how you would organize that. But overall, I'd like to have a fairly flat structure um, most of the time. If we're you know solopreneurs or we're just working with a small team or a small agency, you you want to know like all the people that you're working with even though you may not interact with them each day. So the whole point there is I wouldn't build too many layers of complexity, but I think it's good to have someone to your original question, Richard, it's good to have people that are, you know, they know the content piece and they're the expert in the content piece and they're the project manager Mm. and having a person that knows the outreach, like managing the outreach folks so that they sort of own that piece of the puzzle
0: yeah it's, it's uh, i i echo that uh, that approach and especially if if uh, you're specializing in just one part of um you know one type of monetization with Amazon associates and one type of link building with with guest posts which is um your your uh what you're specialized in um then you don't really need an internal uh you know, like a, a big team structure. If it's just a case of, you know, content creation, finding the products on Amazon to link to and and doing guest posts to uh, to the primary pages on your site, um, you know, if you keep it very simple, then you don't need to be managing a project manager who's managing other people or, you know, setting up in a more complex way. Uh, and personally, I prefer that in terms of my, my own freedom, my own stress levels. Um, I would much rather keep things a lot more simple and not have to have the complexity that comes with multiple uh, you know income streams and uh, multiple you know marketing channels and and you know five different lead building methods
1: so with on your team do you have a you know a proper project manager or do you just serve as a project manager yourself
0: right now i don't have a whole bunch of content creation going on i'm working with an investor and we're, we're purchasing a bunch of assets and uh, increasing asset value in other ways right now. We're not looking to uh, focus on content, but we're kind of coming up with our own procedures for, for the types of link building that we're both comfortable doing. So right now I've got a, like a, a bunch of writers that I uh, can use when uh, I need content. Um, I've, uh, you know, used VAs before for a bunch of different outreach activities, but um, right now it's pretty pretty limited. We're kind of consolidating, we're focusing on our strategy and, uh, you know, at the point where we're looking to see if it makes sense to build up our own team. Um, but yeah, kind of my current approach is, is not really starting new sites. It's, uh, it's working on existing ones. And, mm-hmm. uh, I kind of realized that you don't, you know, once the site has a hundred pages or so, you know, adding another 50 pages isn't kind of like the best ROI that you can, that you can do. Right um but yes at some point you know i will have to end up with you know full sops and, and multiple people um you know actually uh you know being involved in the ongoing you know promotional of of the site but right now no i don't have anyone to manage and i really like it that way
1: <laughs> yeah same here i mean i hear a few of my friends you know maybe they picked up Um, an intern or, you know, someone doing an apprenticeship and, you know, it's stressful for them because they have to, I mean, they're paying money for the person to work with them and they they really get stressed out if they don't have enough work for them. So it becomes a job to figure out what work they need done, which seems crazy.
0: Yeah, exactly. I, I've I've had an intern before. I thought that was uh, a good thing to try. I, I you know started using VAs way before I, I should have, <laughs> and you know ran out of work very quickly. So right. yeah, when I you know do scale up, uh, it will be you know in a very considered uh, and effective way. Um, but right now, I have so much going on that um, you know I haven't really got to uh, free up time to write the SOPs to then to build the team. Um, but in a month or so, once, you know, we really figure out our approach, um, this is exactly what I need to be doing. So, uh, and yeah, I don't really come from any particular, you know, project management or any, any background. So, uh, I'm sure, you know, your, your skills and your knowledge will, will be very helpful. Yeah. Do you, I hope with, so all the, all the, years paid off do, with your, um, your five figure niche site, uh, course is, uh, is some of the project management stuff included in that?
1: Yes, so basically all the templates and all the processes are in that course. The interesting thing with the course is project management like makes the foundation of the course, but one thing I didn't want to do is try and teach two things at once, how to build a niche site and project management. Hmm. So I don't go deep into... The vocabulary, the the corporate jargon of project management, because it's really not needed. The principles behind it are built into the course, so that you you know you work on the most important thing at any given time. You you know you work on the stuff in order that you need to be working on it. When you're you know learning about uh, niche sites or internet marketing from say podcasts and blog posts, you may get out of order, right? You may think, hey, I really need to do link building because these people are so excited about link building when I listen to their podcast, but it turns out maybe you're not in the spot where you need to do link building yet. Maybe you need to add more content or make sure that your on-page SEO is tight before you start doing link building or you could end up you know, working on outreach or building a PBN for you know, a few months you add links to your site and it doesn't rank because your on-page SEO is terrible.
0: I see it's uh, currently got a waiting list. How often do you open, uh, open that course up?
1: About four times a year. So uh, just every quarter. So ne- next time uh, that it'll open up will probably be October of 2017. So um,
0: you'll be doing this, this site building and, and selling for foreseeable future?
1: I think so. Um, You know, there are there are probably a couple sites I'm just going to keep for cash flow, Um, you know, sites that I put a ton of time into over the years. And again, if I spent the time to do the white hat outreach, you know, I know that it's a little more secure, but I'll probably keep a few, maybe sell a few uh, and see how it goes in this particular town that I'm in. The real estate market is really sort of uh exploding right now houses and uh, are very expensive rent is expensive and you know i envision in a f- you know a few years kind of like my prediction before in a few years i'm not sure when but i'm pretty sure there's going to be some good bargains because yeah you know the cost of the homes here are actually you know i don't think they can be supported by the salaries that are around here um, yeah. there's not enough jobs. There's not enough people coming in, but the houses are, you know, quite expensive
0: and salaries are declining and uh, in real terms. And also a lot of the baby boomers are going to be uh, dropping off. So supply is going to increase as well. Great to talk to you. What's the best place for people to reach out?
1: Uh, just nichesiteproject.com. Um, you can go there and find a lot of free material. Like I give out like 15,000 keywords and, uh, let's see what else basically all the templates I use so a lot of the stuff that I do is systemized through project management and just you know implementing this over and over working with students so generally like all the templates I use are freely available so you can have a look see how I sort of systemize thing, things and run through processes. Not very
0: cool whereabouts on your site is that?
1: Um, if you just go to the home page uh, you should be able to get right to it there's a big I think it's a green button and if you, it's green right now, I think. And if you click it, uh, you just put in your email address and you can get the free stuff pretty quickly. And then if you don't want to get emails from me, that's cool. I understand. You could just unsubscribe.
0: <laughs> and those processes uh, that you've created, you get those through the, uh, through the opt-in? Uh, y-
1: yeah. So I think it, you know, you have to put in your email address and then you get a link in your first email from me. Cool. And then there's like a download page.
0: Thanks. Thanks, Doug. Really appreciate your time. Thank you. Hey, guys. Hope you enjoyed that episode. I certainly learned a bunch of things I'm about to implement on one of my sites. The URL, again, is at richardpatey.com forward slash niche site project. If you want to leave a comment on that post there or a review on iTunes, it'd be much appreciated. Or just hit me up on Twitter at Richard Patey. That's P-A-T-E-Y. All righty. I'm going to head off. I got some more episodes to get out, and I will speak to you guys soon. Cheers.